Welcome to Uncomfortable Is Okay, where we explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone, navigating challenge, and doing the hard things that make life worth living. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. Uncomfortable Is Okay is brought to you by Health Mentors. Health Mentors is a performance well-being company that helps change makers dial in their health and improve their performance in the middle of a chaotic world. We offer one-on-one health mentoring services, as well as a range of workshops and workplace solutions, all the way up to supporting organizations with their well-being strategy. You can find out more at healthmentors.nz or get in contact with Chris at healthmentors.nz. Welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. Today I'm joined by Brad Dixon. Brad is a holistic physio. He is an expansive wellness coach. He's a content creator and he's the author of the fantastic book, Holistic Human. I'm really excited to have a chat with Brad today about all things health and wellness and improving our ability to step into maybe some of the uncomfortable areas of health and well-being. Brad, thank you so much for joining me today, mate. Yeah, look, it's my pleasure, Chris. I uh, can't wait to, to chat to you about the health and wellness. So yeah, let's, let's go. Let's wind the clock right back, mate. Well, not that far back, but where were you born? Where did you grow up? Look, I was born in the wonderful windy city of Palmerston North, but I, I moved around every three years of my life. My dad, he, he worked for Fletch Steel and then Placemakers. And so every three or four years we'd move. So I think, you know, that can be a little bit unsettling as a kid, but it also, I think, helps build a bit of resilience. Even at the t- though the title's a little bit stressed and, and not that happy with mum and dad for us moving around, I think looking back, it was actually a really pivotal, yeah, pivotal experience for me. So we, we lived in Palmerston North, Hamilton, Christchurch, Auckland, Christchurch again. And then, of course, I went down to Dunedin for university and spent some time at Whanganui. So, yeah, I've, I've been everywhere. I lived lived in most places and visited the most places. And I think they're really a helpful, a helpful thing. Yeah, that's cool. I did a lot of moving around as well while I was growing up. I'm interested, do you think it developed a different skill set in you than potentially some people who lived in the same place their entire life? Yeah, I think so. I think I was just able to cope with change possibly a little bit more. And maybe had the ability to make friends because you had to, yeah, every three years when you're moving school, you had to find a new group of friends. And looking back, you know, what, what that actually did is I found in high school, I, I kind of could glide between quite a few different groups. Like I was, I was kind of sporty, but I was a kind of a nerd. I kind of wasn't one of the absolute popular kids, but, but I, I kind of could just drift in between different groups and, and felt like I was pretty friendly to most people. And. People were pretty friendly to me and I, I just felt kind of, yeah, it didn't, didn't, like I had my clip. I just felt like I had heaps of different tribes that I could move within and, and that, that I think is a, can be again, a helpful trait. Yeah. And I think it's a really helpful trait when you're coaching or when you're working as a physiotherapist as well, is that you can relate to a lot of different people and can understand a lot of different people as well. So you can hopefully help them more effectively. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like I think the the basis of helping people is understanding their their point of view. And I've got a really you know a quote that I try to live by, and that is you can't drive a one ton truck of truth and information across sorry, a ten ton truck of truth and information across a one ton bridge of friendship. You really need to build that rapport, you need to build that 
that friendship and that trust before you can start delivering information. And so as a physio, it is really important to understand someone's point of view and, you know, just get a really good history. You know, that I think a really good subjective history is really important in terms of treating a physiotherapy client and then also understanding a coaching client. Yeah, I would, I would completely agree with that. Let's not go too far down that route just yet. I want to ask you, Brad, what's, what set you on the path that you're on today? working as a, as a holistic physio and and an expansive wellness coach, like have there been, has it been a gradual process for you or have there been some, I guess, pivotal moments that have, have pushed you in this direction? Yeah, look, there is one pivotal moment. I've been over this quite a lot. I write about it in my book and I talk about it in many articles that I write. Around eight years ago now, my uncle, uncle Murray was diagnosed with grade four bowel cancer and given nine months to live. Now at that time, I had a really bad knee injury. My meniscus was, was a bit torn and I couldn't run and I was really grumpy. And there was a, I can remember the day really well, because I've told this story many times. I can remember complaining to my wife, Coral, about my knee and the fact that I couldn't run. And, you know, I was sulking, throwing my toys out of the cough. And Coral just looked at me and, you know, sometimes taking information and feedback from those closest to us can be really hard to take. But that information and feedback is usually the most valuable. And my wife looked at me and just said, you know, get over yourself, Brad. Your, your uncle is dying of, of bowel cancer. You're complaining about your knee. And, and it really took me back. I can remember thinking, she's right. Like I didn't tell her that straight away, but I thought, I thought it, she is absolutely on the money. And, you know, there was a pivotal shift in that moment that I thought, how dare I be such so, so ungrateful for my life. And I can remember that day, I can remember going for a bike ride. I can remember I couldn't, and, and I'm a bit of a rudder at heart, but I went for a bike ride. And then over the next few months, I got into my cycling and my swimming. And it really opened my eyes in terms of you have to maybe concentrate on what you can do and not dwell on what you can't. And for the next few months after that, I got very fit. I got really strong and started looking at bodyweight exercises and yoga. And eating better, I think the eating better was probably my first because my uncle was blogging and emailing us about how eating highly processed food and poor, you know, highly processed meat and, and things like that was not good for, for your health. And it definitely contributed towards bowel cancer. And so as a family, we started eating less meat and eating more vegetables and it really just snowballed from there. So there was a pivotal moment that created that mindset shift and then it's been sort of a snowball momentum role over the last eight years yeah thank you for sharing that story with us brad it's always it's always a tough one to i guess relive when you go through a challenge like that how did you how did you approach health and how did you approach life prior to that moment like what were your did you have some principles that you you attacked it by yeah, look, before, before that pivotal moment when I was, geez, I mean, I was probably late thirties, early forties at that, that time, I can remember health for me was pretty black and white. Like uh, it was all about exercise and eating. It was just fuel for me to exercise. And yeah, you know, that was about it. I really used exercise as, as, as my main driver and I didn't really think too deeply about the other stuff. In fact, I can remember. Jeez, look, I, I used to eat meat every, every night. In fact, a meal wasn't a good meal. I said two types of meat. I didn't care whether it was 
hot dog or hamburger. It was, it was just gonna calories for me to be able to go for a run. I just didn't think about things in an expansive way. And I think I was pretty, yeah, as I say, black and white and a bit shallow when it came to health and, and well-being. But not particularly unusual, I don't think either. Like that was, you were, you were describing me at one point as well with, with my health. My wife, I remember, asked me one day, she's like, oh, we need to take a salad to this, this dinner. What sort of sh- salad should I make? I was like, mm, maybe one with bacon in it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I think yeah. Thankfully, my my perspective has evolved as well. But I think like for a lot of Kiwis out there, and a lot of people who live in other countries as well, that is a relatively typical way to approach health. Is that exercise is that one big pillar that we focus on? Because I mean, it's pretty visible. It's it's pretty well. It's not easy to do, but there's a lot of people telling you how to do it. So if you need some advice, it's quite, it's quite simple to go and find it. And also it does make you feel good for the most part. Totally. And then, yeah, thinking about, thinking about diet as well. It's, I mean, like you just need to go around the supermarket and you see there's one aisle of vegetables and lots of aisles of everything else there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And those other things, you know, apart from fruit and vegetables, they're, they're easy and convenient. You know, I used to and go at a breakfast biscuit and some toast for breakfast. That was healthy because, geez, the marketing told me it was. And, and I just didn't think, look, I was really naive. I just loved packaged food. Look, I, look, don't get me wrong, I still have processed food, but it's maybe not as much as I used to. I definitely replaced more of my calories now with whole food and plant-based. Um, but back then, I was just whatever was convenient. I just didn't put too much thought into it. So, uh, so eight years ago, that, that shift really helped me start to look at, at, at other things. And definitely eating right is, is such a, a big component of health and well-being. Mm. It's not the only other component, though. So I'm really interested to hear how you think about expansive well-being. Yeah. So expansive wellness takes it. A, a little bit further. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Carol Dweck's work on a, basically, you know, going from a fixed to a growth mindset. Yep. And, and then there's a guy called Ash Buchanan. He's taken it one step further in Australia. He goes that we, it's not about actually just fixed to growth. It's actually gone from growth to benefit mindset. So we have to have this mindset that is not just about us, but about others around us. Because at the end of the day, we all live in a closed system, planet Earth, and we all have an effect on each other, whether you like it or not. And we have to start thinking in that way if we're actually going to start to make some progress and change society. So expansive wellness is simply looking at wellness habits that don't only uh, help you as an individual, but they're going to benefit your whanau, your community, and ultimately our planet. So everything we do should have that kind of expansive outlook because if it doesn't, then, you know, then maybe you're not getting what expansive wellness is. So that's what expansive wellness is. It's just making sure that what you do, your actions actually have as much positive effect as possible for us, family, community, and the planet Earth. Mm. Can you give us an example or two of how you practice expansive wellness? Yeah, I'll give you two real simple ones. So I've been asked this question a couple of times. So let's talk about one, cold showers. So cold showers I've been doing for around seven years now. And I can 
talk for hours about the health and cellular longevity benefits of taking a cold shower. But you know what? A cold shower also saves me around 40,000 litres of water a year. That's based on that you use, I think, 20 litres of water a minute and the average shower's around eight minutes. My shower's around two because it's cold. And, and so I save 40,000 litres of water a year, plus I save money. One of the biggest costs to household is heating water. So if you can decrease that and save water, plus give yourself some really good benefits in terms of, you know, cellular well-being, thermogenesis, and just feeling really good afterwards with that dopamine release, then, hey, there's a nice expansive wellness habit right there. Another simple one is riding your bike to work. Now, we all need as a society to think about living with less. You know, climate change is being politicized. Look, it's, it's climate chaos, but it's at the end of the day, let's talk about habits that help us our community and our planet. And so rather than riding my bike to work for climate change, I ride my bike to work because I'm moving a 10 kg object with my own energy rather than using fossil fuels to power a one and a half ton object to, to work. Now let's think about that in terms of energy cost and energy savings. Plus I get a little bit of exercise. Plus, it just makes me feel better when I get to work or get home. I, it's a nice little barrier between work and home. And there's so many individual benefits and, and also earth benefits from burning me a little bit of fat rather than burning fossil fuels that's taken millions of years to develop. So it's about thinking expansively and cold showers and riding your bike rather than taking your car. We need to become less car centric, maybe even taking a bus or carpooling at the very least. You know, that sort of stuff makes big, expansive benefits. And so that's expansive wellness. Yeah. Thank you for describing that. And riding your bike, you get better tan lines than just the, the driver's arm as well. So it's, it's nice. You yeah, just have to have one good side. Yeah. You've got your vitamin D as well, you know, so there's just so many benefits. Brad, I'm interested in just practicalities of cold showers. Do you, do you soap up and then step under the shower or <laughs> do you like get wet, then soap up and, and all of it happens in two minutes or like, how do, how does that work for you? No, so, so look, the, the cold shower is pr- it's pretty simple now, even though I do or dread it in the moment, I know I'm going to feel better afterwards and I, and, and I just think about how I'm going to feel after that shower. And that's one way to look at habits. It's, it's, it's not about that short term discomfort, but that long term benefit. So for me, now it's pretty simple. I just now, I used to, in the first few months of this habit, I would put it on lukewarm and get in and gradually edge it towards cold. But now, look, I just put it to cold, turn on, hop in, get wet, soak up a little bit, what I need to soak up, and then rinse off, turn off. And, you know, that takes around 90 seconds to two minutes. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go longer if I want a little bit more of an effect because it is, the longer you spend in the cold water the, and the Oh, you get your body temperature. I mean, it doesn't lower it by much. It's not as like, it's not as good as dumping into an ice bath, but it gives you, it still gives you a little bit of a thermogenic benefit. So you, you basically start to rewarm from the inside out. You hop out of the shower and you feel like you've just been given a double shot of espresso. You feel amped up and ready for the day rather than when you get out after a hot shower, you feel a little bit blast, you know, so it really does have that immediacy of the, the benefit, that effect. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I re- look, I recommend it to every, maybe 5% of people take it up, but I've got a few athletes and a few physio clients that now swear by it and, and they see the benefits. 
Yeah, they're good. I don't do them. I don't do them all the time, but every now and then I'll, I'll throw one in there and you do, you feel, you feel really, really good afterwards. If I've had a horror show of a night of sleeping the night before with, with the wee ones, then I usually treat myself to a warm shower the next morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd be banging it on cold just at the end to wake myself up a little bit for the day. But uh, like, I love how you talk about the stuff and I love the passion that comes through when you're talking about expansive wellness and the holistic health. I want to ask you a question about that as well. And I think like when you, eight years ago, this was something that you were just starting to investigate and you were just starting to, to look at and you'd had a mindset shift towards it. But it wasn't part of your identity and it wasn't part of kind of who you are, who you were at that point in time. How has this developed into a passion for you? Like what's, what's happened and what's changed over the last eight years to get you feeling the way that you feel about it now? I think that yeah, it's a good question and probably the answer is quite multi-layered. I love that. But we've got time. Yeah. So look, before, before I went, started this sort of wellness or holistic well-being journey. I suppose I, look, I was, my identity was a yeah, husband and father, the two most important roles in my life and then physio and probably a little bit athlete. Um, I think now I, I still have all those roles, of course, and, and the husband and the father are probably the most important or definitely are the most important roles. But now as a physio and an athlete, I have an understanding that the pre mind and soul are completely meshed together. And I think our Western medicine system has done a good job of kind of taking them apart. It's specializing and siloing in all these different areas where I think I've come to the understanding that look, it's all, it's all connected. And, and then through a lot of reading and, and, and watching, you know, watching films and, and reading articles, I've just come to understand that it's not just about our body, mind, and soul. It's about us connecting with each other and then us connecting with the land and, and how you can't be healthy in a sick world. And everywhere we look and what the media is telling us, our, our world is kind of decaying. It's our ecosystems are being destroyed by our lifestyles and, and, and the way that we produce food and the, and the way that we move around. And, and so I think I just, over that last eight years, I just understand that everything is connected. You know, it's not just mind, body, soul. It's us to each other and it's us to the land. It's us to the water. It's us to the sea. It's us to the beings that live in, in those ecosystems. Everything has a place and a purpose. You know, it's kind of one of those little epiphany moments that, hey, look, everything's connected. And, and we've got to make sure that everything thrives. Now, look, we're going to do that. When we do things, we um, things, but we want to minimize that harm. We want to maximize the opportunity for more people and ecosystems and animals to thrive. So I, I think now my identity is, is just, I have an understanding of the connectedness of everything and the interconnectedness of everything and how we've got to make sure that we live in a way that allows a little bit more synchronicity or a little bit more harmony. And, and so that's just given me a bit of a passion, I think, to, to go, I mean, this sounds really cliche, but, you know, I, I think we have the ability to save the world. Look, as a 
species, you know, human beings, we, we're so disconnected and we're so cut up into little tribes and there's so much division. If we come together and, and, and come together on the big things that matter, I mean, we're still going to have differences. We're still, because that's the beauty of us, you know, we're, we're all connected and our DNA is pretty much all the same, but you know, we're all individuals as well. And how, so how do we, how do we mesh that individuality with this beautiful connection we have? And I think there are ways to do that. And I think it's just important for me, my identity now is about, it's, 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 it's tied up and to try and, and get this message across of expansive wellness, you know, that's the first step. And then if we can create a little bit more ability for our kids to be able to empathize, to, to have better conflict resolution, to have better communication skills, then maybe they can rise up and start to undo some of the division and the damage that our generation are doing and the generation before us have done. <laughs> so, yeah. So as I say, the answer is multi-layered, but I think the, the bottom line is that I now just understand the true nature of that total connection. Mm. And do you feel a responsibility to help educate people about this? Cause you could do it in your physiotherapy clinic room. You could do it with your coaching clients. You could do it with your family, but you don't. I kind of do. Well, you, sorry, you do, but that's not, that's not where it stops. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Look, I think everyone that has, everyone that sees me, well, I hope when they come into my clinic, I'm, if they've got a sore ankle, I'm not just going to treat their ankle. I am going to talk a little bit around some other stuff. And, and so that might even be, you know, well, your ankle is stopping you from doing, I don't know, going for a run, but you know, when you go for a run, are you trying to run in nature? Do you go into the bush, the forest? And how does that make you feel? And, you know, so I try to get people to understand that nature, our natural world makes you feel better. It's, it feeds the soul. And when people have an understanding about that, and then they get into nature, then they have more ability to understand why they need to save it. So I'm, like I'm being an environmentalist, even in my physio work, but in a very, just very standoffish way. And, and so I, I just tried to, just to sow little seeds about how, you know, how that we, we are all connected and, and we are, we do need to take better care of the planet and make better choices, but, but I don't, I'm not too standoffish about that. I, I, I try and do it in a very gentle way. And, you know, as you know, everyone's got to have a different ability to take on that information. And I have to read that sometimes. And sometimes I do just have to play the physio or just play the coach. But in the background, there's always me thinking, how, how can I teach this person that, that ocean health is really important. Now, they're, a, they're a swimmer and they swim in the ocean. How can I teach them that, hey, maybe we need to look at the way we live so that our oceans have more ability to thrive. And look, so I write about this a little bit. I've got articles on my website and I write about it in magazines. So I have an outlet and then with people, I just make sure that I judge the situation to be able to give as much information needed just to maybe shift them and nudge them in, in that expansive outlook way. Yeah. And continue to build that bridge of trust. So you can drive that 10 ton truck over eventually. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and, and so just, it's just about making sure that you don't overwhelm people with too much. And I think that's a real issue. I think there's a lot of people out there that are really overwhelmed with all the negativity and, and what they should be doing. But you know what, we just got to, joy has to be at the center of what we do in, in our lives. And, and so 
being overwhelmed and feeling like he can't do anything because it's going to be bad, that's not joyful. So it's about understanding that it's not a life of deprivation. It's a life of enhancement, of enhancement, having this expansive wellness outlook. And it's making sure you're just doing what you can and just nudging yourself in different ways and asking yourself questions. And, and if we can all do that and all start to move and grow, then, you know, then I'm filled with, with some hope for the future. Yeah. And I think about it. I mean, there's a, there's so much, so many people out there talking about what's optimal. Like you need to be living this way. You need to be doing these things. So you need to be going to the gym six times a week for 90 minutes and meditating twice a day for 20 minutes and journaling for an hour and having this big morning routine. And by the time you've done all that, it's five o'clock at night. So it's time to have dinner and go to bed. And where do you fit work and family and life into that? Yeah. And I think it does get really, really overwhelming for a lot of people when you hear all of the stuff about doing things optimally and because we can't figure out okay how do we fit that into our lives how do i fit that into my particular context without destroying everything else that i have here it's easy is probably not the right word for it but it's it's easier to to not do anything to continue with the the habits and and the routine that you current currently have but we were talking beforehand as well as that like we have each have an individual responsibility for our health as well as that there are other there are things out there that we may have less control over than others but there's there's a lot of stuff that we we can control and we have the responsibility to start to kind of shift our health trajectory and even if it's by a kind of a degree or two that's really really valuable over the long term and I, I want to ask you kind of your opinion on our our personal responsibility for our health. Like where does that where does that lie and how could we potentially start to take on a little bit more responsibility for looking after our, our own health and also kind of the interconnectedness of our health with everything around us? Yeah, again, it's a good question. And we were talking before we went live on the podcast about knowing thine self and knowing where you are and what season you're in. That's going to dictate to some degree how much time you have to be able to spend on your own health and, and well-being. But the bottom line is that we all have some time. Some of us have way more time than others. <clears throat> And it's about understanding that small micro changes are effective. And there was a really, some really good research out even just a few months ago about how five minutes of yoga a day is better than a one hour class once a week. And even though it's a lot less in terms of total duration, our, our bodies like little bits of stimulus, little bits of stimulus is going to make a big difference in rather than just one bolus of stimulus and then nothing for a few days. And so we all have to understand that every day we have the opportunity to, to do a little bit, whether that be two minutes of stretching or maybe just 10 push-ups or a two minute stand outside looking towards the, the morning light to help that in rhythm and help that hormonal balance. We, we all have little things that we can do and that adds up. And so don't beat yourself up if you're in a phase of your life, say you've got three kids under, you're, you're just surviving day to day. You know what? 
just celebrate those little things. That two minute standing outside of the morning light with your cup of coffee, that, that 10 push-ups between clients that you might be able to fit in. Celebrate that, you know, and, and then, then there'll come a time when, when, when you're in a different season, when you have more time. And that's maybe when you can change your focus of your well-being because you've got to, at every stage, at every season, you've got to have some well-being practice. And it's not selfish, it's selfless because we have to understand that we're at our best when we're at our healthiest and our most vibrant. And we can give more time to others, be of better service to others when we are feeling better. And feel we have to have some time working on, the, on those wellness habits. Yeah, I think like health is the foundation for performance in all areas of our lives. It's a foundation for our athletic performance. It's a foundation for our, our business and our work performance. It's our, the foundation for our performance as, as husbands and as dads or as partners or, or mothers or brothers or friends that you can build your skill set up. Like you can build up your physiotherapy skill set, you can build up your coaching skill set, you can build up your parenting skill set. But if you don't have health there as a foundation, when you go to try and deploy those skills, they're really shaky and you can't, you can't action them as well as you could do if you were, if you had that base of health, that solid base. And like, as you mentioned, I don't have three kids under five, but I've got some little kids and some days are relatively challenging. And I think on those days it is like, for me, it's about having those small health habits that I can do that, that do improve my health trajectory. It's, it's things like, yeah, going outside and having, having a coffee on the deck while I look at the, look at the hills and, and get some sunlight in my eyes. It's going for a 10 minute walk at lunchtime and getting a thousand steps in it's having a one minute hug with my wife because like as as parents of little kids like you sometimes go through the day like i don't even know if i've touched anyone else other than a small child today (laughs) Um, totally yeah and it's yeah it's making sure i have a cup keep my water intake up Mm. it's stopping to take five breaths here and there or doing doing one stretch or or some squats and just kind of thinking okay what are those little things because good health happens in the moment it doesn't happen well it can happen with grand gestures it can happen with your 90 minutes at the gym but like as you were describing health it's about consistency of action over a long period of time and it's much easier to keep those little moments consistent than to keep the the 90 minutes of the gym consistent. And sometimes like if you can do that, that's fantastic. Do it. But it, it's not always possible and it's not always um it's not always necessary, I don't think, as well. Because those those little things, like if you change your trajectory by one, two, three, five degrees today, and you do that for a year, you're in a completely different place than you would have if you just keep things the same. Yeah, that's exactly right. And look, I can remember one small habit that I employed when my kids were young. We had one just started school, one preschool. And I can remember getting home from work one day and look, I think my, my wife had had a pretty hard day with, with, with our youngest kid. Um, and I think we're all, we're all a little bit stressed. And I can remember just 
heading over to the beach for three minutes. I just ran over to the beach, I did 10 push-ups, got into the sit, got out, had a cold shower. And in about four or five minutes, I was just ready to face that situation in a far better mindset. Like I remember being just feeling like that was just such a, because I didn't have time to go for a half hour run or a 40 minute bike or, you know, because I needed to, I needed to be there and help out with the pre-dinner routine and then that sort of witching hour. But, you know, I had, I did have time for four minutes and that four minutes, just the lasting effect of the hours afterward for that four minutes allowed me to be a better husband and father. If I hadn't have taken that time, I would have been a husband and a father, but I would have done it pretty badly. I think I would have yelled at the kids, probably burned their dinner, probably upset my wife. But that four minutes was powerful. And I think it's understanding that sometimes having four minutes of doing something proactive and good for you is going to give you hours of better productivity and flow afterwards. And so you, it's not a selfish thing to take that four minutes. It's selfless. And so we all need to understand that those micro chunks of activity allow us to perform better as human beings. And sometimes emotion follows action rather than the other way around. If you wait for you, wait for yourself to feel like you want to do that, it's probably not going to happen. You sometimes you just got to do it, <laughs> just do it and then feel better afterwards. So, you know, I think more people just need to try and hook into that mindset a little bit more. Yeah, I know you're a Rich Roll podcast fan as well. And as as am I, and like I love I love that that saying that he has that moods follows action as well, rather than yeah. the other way around that you you articulated so nicely there. If someone is wanting to start to change their health habits and take advantage of of kind of these health in the moments or these these micro chunks of of health or health snacks or however you want to however you want to put it. How do they, how can they start thinking about that? How are there some questions that they could perhaps ask themselves to start to plan around putting, plan around implementing it? But there is, I think the biggest thing is low hanging fruit. I think you've got to go for this thing that's easiest to do to start with, you know, so set yourself up with no fail. And so in doing that, you've got to, again, understand the individuality of the person in front of you. So you've got to get to know them to figure out, and they'll come up with the solutions and yeah, I'll figure this out a lot. Or well, yourself, Simon, as well. well. What's that, sorry? Or yourself, the individuality of yourself as well, if you're doing yeah, it exactly. on your own. Yeah, exactly. So if you actually sit down with yourself and you just have a bit of a hard think, you'll come up with ways to be able to move into being more. And so if it's, for some people, there might be, yeah, biking to work, you know, that way you're dealing with transportation to work, but getting a bit of a workout at the same time. For other people, it might be they're working late one particular day. There's a yoga class immediately afterwards and they can just transition into a yoga class before they go home. And it's just, it's just easy. It just fits on that day. And so it's just about figuring out how to create the least resistance, go for that low hanging fruit and just start, start with something, whether there be some exercise, some breath work, you know, joining a tennis club, if you're into tennis, just figure out what, what do you like? Because, you know, as you know, the best exercise to start with is something that you're more likely to continue with. So that is usually, well, what, what do you like? You know, I had this really good conversation with a client last week. She came to see me for some wellness advice and she was burnt out, strung out. She didn't, she does no exercise. She, since COVID, she'd been working from home. She had no social interaction and she was an absolute shell of her former self. And 
And the first thing we did with her was say, well, look, why don't we, first of all, get you actually out of your house and, and working into a, a hub spot where you actually have connection with other people. Cause that's really important that she agreed with that. And then we talked a little bit about exercise and I said, what do you do for exercise? She said, nothing. I've been daily exercise for 10 years. <laughs> I said, well, what did you, you know, what do you want to do? She goes, I got no idea. So then I asked a question as a kid, what, what kind of, you know, as a child, what sort of things did you do that really sparked you up? Cause you know, as kids we were creative, we were these creative beings. And so we just talked about her childhood and she, her eyes just lit up and she said to me, you know what? I can remember really liking riding my bike. I really loved that. And so I said to her, Hey, have you got a bike? She said, yeah, I do. I do. I've got a bike in the garage. I haven't used it for 15 years. She said, well, why don't we, why don't we pump up the tires and why don't you just go out for a little 10 minute two floor round, you know? So it's just finding people's in and getting to know them and asking them the right questions. And then they'll come up. Usually, most of the time, they'll come up with those solutions and those ins and where to start on their house journey. And once they're in, then you can move them along. You know, get them in, start with something, riding a bike, yoga class after work, commuting, yeah, with a bike rather than the car. Just find that in and then you can talk about the other stuff. What you're eating, wing beating, breath work, stretching, you know, how's your relationship going? Do you need to organize a date night? Have you not been out alone with your partner for for two years because you've been so busy with the kids. It's just about figuring out that in and then moving them along with, with those other sort of wellness type habits. Yeah. You're just cutting right through me, Brad. I need to organize a date night, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think like, I, I love that as well. It, it, it's about people will often ask me, they, they say, what's the best exercise to do? And my reply is it's the one that you enjoy because it's the one that you're going to keep going back to as well. And I think that's a really powerful question to ask ourselves to start with is like, if we're thinking about this, I guess from any aspect of our health, whether that is, whether that's our physical health, our mental health, our our spiritual health, our, our social health, our emotional health, our, even our vocational health as well. It's like, what do I enjoy about this? And, And how can I bring a little bit more of that? into my life and i guess you like you could think about it in, in in a big dose or in a in a micro dose as well it's like what is it what does it look like if i could only do three minutes of it and what what would it look like if i could do 90 minutes of it and i think it's like it's making it's making that start because when we, when we think about health and like you, you see all the gurus out there talking about what optimal is and what optimal looks like, and you need, to, you must do it this way. And we don't need to do optimal to start. We need to do realistic and practical. And once you, once you take those first few steps, just like you did, you have done on your expansive wellness journey is like you took that, that first step. And you started off and eight years later, you're here and like you have a wealth of knowledge. Like I, I look at the stuff that you post as well and I'm like, that's a really cool idea. Maybe I should figure out how I could bring some of that into my life as well from a, from a well-being perspective. But rather than, I, I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm betting there haven't been like other than maybe that first one, there haven't been too many massive steps that you've taken. They've been 
kind of the smaller steps that have slowly built on top of each other to the point where you are now. Would that be right? Yeah, that is right. That is right. I haven't had what, what I used to do in the early days was I'd try out a habit for for a hundred days and then and then and then think about after that hundred days is that beneficial? Is it something I can let's continue on with? And then I'll either throw it away or carry on with it. And and so for for some habit was I, I would just make sure that I scheduled, scheduled them in, but it, sometimes it would take a couple of months before I started to think, actually, this is, this is all right, or this actually isn't that great. You know, so it, it's continual experimenting and it's continually taking things on that serve and then letting things go that don't serve your overall well-being and your that journey. And so most of the time it has been just those small incremental steps. And as you know, you know, consistency is the key to success in so many facets of life. And I've just figured out that just keep doing it, schedule it in, that it works really well, you know? And so for me, I've had, there's been a few things. One, my no wet suit Wednesday, which I've been doing for about six or seven years. Every Wednesday, I just schedule in, I take two hours off in the middle of my day on a Wednesday. And I go for a swim in the sea with some other people. And that's just scheduled, that's just there. And another one is my, my fasting once a week. You know, one day I just schedule in the day. At the moment it's Monday, it has been Tuesday in the past. And it's just there and it, you just kind of do it and it just, just falls into habit. Same with the cold shower, you know, just build, it just, it, it comes to a point where now it's kind of like cleaning my teeth. I it's just, I just do it. If I don't do it, it feels, you know, doesn't feel right. And so I think that's one thing that people need to understand that it's not about taking a six week boot camp or the, the 21 day eating challenge. It's about, it's about making sure you're looking at habits that you've got to do for the rest of your life. You get might change and nudge things around, but this is a lifelong journey and, and that's what makes it really fun and it actually makes it easier. Habits, when the, you know, discipline, when, it be, when discipline becomes habits, it becomes easy. I think that's a, that's a, I think it's a quote from James Clear, Ryan Holiday, but at, at the end of the day, it, it is, if once you create, once you create habits out of your discipline, it just becomes habitual and then it just becomes easy. It falls into place. But mm. up to promote that because it takes a bit of work and it's hard to sell that because it's, it's a long-term thing. It's not, you can't just package that up into a 14 day challenge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless you're James Clear and you've sold millions and millions of books on, on this stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's true. It's true. He's, he puts in a lot of work to get it to that point though. Interesting off the back of your habit experiments, Brad, like, do you have a review process that you go through at the end of that hundred days to decide, is this a habit that I'm going to keep or is this one that I'm just going to shelve for now? Yeah, I do. So I've stopped doing that. I did the hundred days for very the first two or three years of this journey. I don't do that anymore. But what I did do is at the end of it, just think, right, am I going to keep doing this daily or am I going to do it three times a week or am I going to do it? Not at all. I would just see how it fitted in with my life and how it made me feel. And, and yeah, I would have a little bit of a, a, a review as, as you put it and then go forth from there. So one of those habits, for instance, was meditation. I did meditation for about 420 odd days in a row, realized it was really good. Like I just felt so good and so clear afterwards, but you know what? I don't meditate every day now, but I do meditate probably two to three times a week between five and 10 minutes. But I've replaced a little bit of the meditation with breath work. So what I do, for instance, one of my habits that I'm doing at the moment, which I really enjoy is I do a front plank before I go to bed. And then the amount of time that I'm able to hold that front plank, I do some breath work. So that could be some breath hold work, maybe some box breathing. So I just have a play with a front plank, 
and the breath work, it's only like two, two and a bit minutes, five minutes in total. But I really enjoy that, you know, so I just take things that I've done in the past and then sort of bring them in and repackage it to, to keep it fresh for, for me now. So look, I think it's just about continuing to evolve these habits and make them applicable to where you are now. So you have to continue every three months. I sort of look at my training program, for instance, what I'm, what races I'm coming up and I make some changes and because, you know, my, my running and my cycling and my swimming, which is the basis of my cardio well-being, I'll change that around depending on what goals I might have for, for, the, for the summer season or the winter season. So it's fun to, to continue to analyze and change things up. So even though I say do things for life, you don't have to do things for life in exactly the same way every week or every month, but you do have to up that journey and those habits in some shape and form. Mm. Yeah. Well said, mate. Brad, is there any other stuff that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? I think at the end of the day, it's just about making sure that anyone listening to this, you have the power to make some changes. Now, some of us are living in situations that that's pretty stressful. There's a lot of stuff going on at the moment that that's creates a lot of stress. And when you're stressed and you're anxious, you've got less time and less space to be able to devote to maybe thinking about some of this stuff, but we all have some ability to make some changes. And so I think it's important just to sit down for five minutes and just maybe even write down something that you want to do to change your situation, because we all have some degree of control. So it's about trying to empower individuals within society to make better choices, develop better habits. Because when we do that as an individual, as a collective, we are then in a stronger position to help each other and to lift each other. You know, a rising tide does lift all boats. So it's important that we work on our own game a little bit, take some responsibility and then move forward in a way that's going to benefit everybody. So. Yeah, that, that's probably a message that I'd love to, you know, love to get across and make sure that people understand that. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Brad, a couple of questions just to tie things off today. How do you build your capacity to do hard things? I think just, I think to start with anything that's really hard, it's important to start where you are, what you have and start well within capacity. So, and then build it up. So, you know, with chronic pain and with, with other issues, it's important to look at what creates the problem or what maybe creates the pain or, or brings it on and, and gradually expose you to, to that in a way that doesn't freak you out. So for instance, if you're scared of spiders, you're not going to have a tarantula walking on your arm as your first, you might be in a room next to a dirty long legs with a glass over the top of it. So it's just gradually exposing you to the, the stuff that, that brings fear or brings discomfort and then work your way up. You know, it's very similar. Like someone who wants to run a marathon, is not going to run a marathon in their first week. They're going to start off very gradually and gradually expose your system to that stress and then just progress it. So I think it's just about starting well within and then build up in a controlled fashion. But you know what? You've got to start. And there's so many people that are so addicted to comfort and so addicted to being in that little cocoon that they 
that they, they don't want to step outside that. And what we have to understand as a society is that we can't grow when you're bathed in comfort. You do have to create some new stress in your life, some stress that's going to help you grow. We all need that amount of stress and, and how we tolerate that very much depends on how much we've been exposed to it. And, and it's about making sure that you just expose yourself to little bits and build up very, very gradually. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Brad, I usually ask people how you work on your well-being. This whole conversation's almost been about that. Are there any other well-being habits that you're that you're loving at the moment? Look, I think one one several or there's several, but I think I'd like to start with cold water swimming. I, I believe getting into a body of cold water and moving around is incredibly beneficial on so many levels. So I, I recommend like cold showers are very very good. But cold water therapy in large bodies of cold water, especially in nature, whether it be an ocean, lake, or a river, or do it safely if you're listening, is incredibly beneficial. So that's something I've really loved and I'm really passionate about. I've been doing that for the last seven years. The other thing would be making sure that you're eating a plant-centered diet. You know, there's a lot of conjecture and division out there in the nutritional tribe land. But one thing that most nutritional tribes can agree on is that vegetables are pretty good for you. And so we need to probably eat more vegetables in, in our day and more fruit. Fruit won't make you fat. It's important to understand that eating that whole fruit and, and vegetable contains fiber. And so that's got to really be beneficial for our gut health. Most people are not protein deficient. And the ones that I see, they're fiber deficient. And so to help with that, you need to eat more fruit, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, beans, seeds, nuts. So having a plant-centric approach to nutrition, I think is very beneficial. If you do choose to eat meat, then make sure you eat quality and maybe have a lens of not only good for you, but what's good for the planet environmentally in terms of soil and water health, and then also animal ethics. It's important that animals are treated better than they are. So, you know, so you're looking at coal, you're looking at, you're looking at good plant-centric eating. And then the other big one that I think we don't talk about enough is the quality of our relationships. So the relationships that we have at home and our workplaces, making sure that we communicate effect, there is good conflict resolution and that we understand that having agreement doesn't mean that someone hates you, not to take disagreement personally, but to, to try and take on feedback and, and not criticism, but, but, but feedback in a way that allows you to be better. And if we all have that mindset, then there'd be less petty arguments and less division. So making sure that you have a really good quality of relationship at home and at work, because that can create a lot of distress that no, no amount of yoga and green smoothie will, 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 will help with. So making sure that our relationships are positive. We treat people well. Yeah. Yeah. You can't yoga your way out of that one. Brad, if people are into what we've been talking about today, want to find out a little bit more about you, about the work that you do, about the content that you create, where can they do that? How can they go about doing it? Yeah, so there's a few a few areas. So my website, which is everfit.co.nz, that has links to all my articles, videos that I've done, and, and also my information on coaching and physiotherapy. So my the website's a good one. And then Instagram, at everfitcoach, I put a... I, post there quite a bit and stories and, and reels and just about, I try to get across information on well-being, nutrition, training. And then it's also my YouTube channel. So that's Everfit on YouTube. 
And on YouTube, I have, again, a lot of videos that go over physiotherapy, running and wellness information. And then last but not least is my book, Holistic Human really is kind of seven or eight years of looking into well-being, and I've tried to create sort of eight or nine chapters there that to go over some of the points that we've talked about today. And at the end of every chapter, there's a really extensive reference list. People want to take a bit of a deeper dive in that aspect of well-being. So you can get Holistic Human from my website. So if you just go to my website and, and click on shop, I think you can, you can purchase a, a copy from direct from the website. Yeah. And I think for, for people who are wanting to kind of start to, to build their expansive wellness practices, it's a really great foundational resource for that. I really enjoyed reading it and I think it kind of, it sets you up with like a whole, a whole range of, of practices that you can start with under, under specific principles as well. And you don't need to do all of them at once, but pick one or two and then start to bring them in like we've, like we've been talking about today. But other than reading your book, Brad, do you, do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Ooh, challenge. Yeah. Look, I, I think my challenge will be to try and get to bed a little bit earlier. Mm. Okay. So that, that's sleep is probably the most underrated performance tool there is widely available to everybody. And so I would charge everybody. To have a look at when you usually go to bed and just go to bed half an hour to an hour earlier and try not to eat for two or three hours before that. No screen time for, for maybe half an hour to 90 minutes, depending on what you can handle. And I promise you that extra sleep will be so restorative. And if you can do that over the week, you won't know yourself. So yeah, earlier, earlier to bed with, you know, not eating and less screen time before you go to bed, there's a challenge that's going to really improve your wellness mm, that's a great challenge brad dixon thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today my pleasure thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with us today i always love these conversations if you want to have a, hear a guest if you want to have a topic explored if you want to ask a question please send an email to chris at healthmentors.nz uh, and we can get onto that for you. If you want to support the show, the best way that you can do that is subscribe on your favorite podcast app and make sure to share it out with some of your mates as well. Thank you to Health Mentors, the sponsor of the show today. If you want to improve your health and your performance in the middle of a chaotic world, make sure to check out healthmentors.nz or send an email to chris at healthmentors.nz for a no-obligation chat. Thank you so much to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music to the show. And thank you to you guys for tuning in and listening all the way to the end. We'll see you all again next week.